You're listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible is Literature. Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos, and you are listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature podcast. In today's program, Father Paul begins his discussion of Genesis chapter 25. I am delighted to introduce Father Paul on the Bible as Literature podcast, Tarazi Tuesdays. The beginning or first half of chapter 25 is very interesting and also important for that reason that I keep reiterating time and again and again and again. Namely, that when one encounters a verse or a passage or a text, that if one eliminates it, it is not missed by the hearer. Most of scholarship, you know, consider that it's not important, it's secondary. You know how in all our theologies, whether Jews or Christians, you know, we jump Abraham, Isaac, and then we, the elect people. But there is something very stunning here, and it's a long text, by the way. This is what makes it even more important. It's a long aside that does not seem to add anything to the theological story that is in our mind, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And this text is a long text. It goes over 18 verses. How does one know that? Because... The end of chapter 24, which is the marriage of Isaac, we spoke about it, ends with this verse. It's a long, long, long chapter, 67 verses. And the last verse of 24 is, Then Isaac brought her into the tent and took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Then if one jumps to verse 19 of our chapter here, 25, one hears, and these are the Toledot of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham was the father of Isaac. And then it begins with a very interesting story that the wife of Isaac was barren, exactly like Sarah, the wife of Abraham. So again, it continues that story that ultimately the child is a gift from God. But then this is verse 19. So we have 18 verses that do not sound necessary. And my hearers can check on that. Go around and ask the people around you how many wives Abraham had. And those who read or hear mainly the New Testament will remember Galatians and would say two. 
Most of us are under this assumption. But this text of 18 verses begins with the statement, Abraham took another wife, actually, I'll comment on this on the original Hebrew, whose name was Keturah. And you know from experience how many people have heard of Keturah. Or even if they have heard of her, if you ask them, How many wives did Abraham have? Uh, Most of the people will answer two. So all this brings me to the conclusion that this passage is extremely important. And it reminds us, as we shall see in my comments soon, of chapter 14 of Genesis, the famous story of Abraham and the king of Melchizedek, and so on. If you drop that chapter, no one will miss it. Even you yourself will not miss it. So what is it doing there? And I believe that the importance of this passage is to stress again the comprehensiveness of all human beings in the plan of God. But This goes against the grain of all theologies that like to speak of exceptionalism. You know, the elect, we are special. And that is definitely not scriptural. And I'm asking all my hearers to make the offer to hear it, see it, be convinced, and teach it against the grain of classical theology. And this applies not only to us Orthodox, but to all Christians. The Orthodox are famous by imagining that the Greek philosophers before Christ already spoke in a way that reminds you of what Christ said. In other words, the universal, eternal truth that is expressed through human beings. And, and this is absolutely silly, you know. But then, you know, in the West, you know, the closest to us in this matter are the Anglicans, the Brits, you know, they always consider themselves as special and, you know, their tradition that they view themselves as the new Israel and so on. So we have really to use these texts as much as possible to dynamite this fallacy. But let's go to the text and see what the text is saying. It says, and Abraham added and took a woman or a wife. This is a Hebrew expression that is reflected in the English, and he did it again. Very often this why Yesef is translated as again or more, or he added So, a very interesting introduction to what Abraham did, and thus it is very important. And her name was Keturah, again, to go to the original. I'm not going to linger too much because my hearers get tired, but they have to understand that the original words have meaning, and thus they have a function. Keturah is from a root that means to burn incense. 
Now, those who know Arabic would pick up immediately. It is from the same root as the root that means to drop, to put little by little. Qaf, tet, and resh in Arabic. Qatra means a, a drop of tear or a drop of water or medication. We know that. And the link is very obvious when we do not think that in the past people had censors like the Orthodox. No, you have charcoal, but even in the censor, you do the same. You keep adding incense. The coal is there and you keep adding in small quantities incense. And that explains to the hearers uh, the function of Keturah. But when you think of that, you remember the story of Genesis 14 and Paul's comment on it in Hebrews, where he says that when Abraham made the offering to Melchizedek, and then he adds that it's the junior that offers to the senior. He says, and the Levites were already in his loins. In other words, Paul is making the case that through Abraham, his descendants, and more specifically the Levites, the priests, you know, Hebrews stresses the aspect of Jesus as a priest, they offered, they were juniors to Melchizedek. And this is very interesting in this case, that indirectly without the mention of Levites, which are not mentioned even in 14, but the fact that the name Keturah reminds us of the temple offerings, burning incense, tells us that practically the Levites, in a way, if you like, functionally, are related to the third woman or wife of Abraham. One should not conclude that I'm really pressing the issue, because the rest of the text suddenly mentions a long list of peoples some of which we heard already in Genesis chapter 10, verse 7. You have it in verse 3, Sheba and Dedan, which very clearly is inviting you to realize that Abraham, as we heard very early in chapter 12, he is the father of many families, all the families of the earth, or all the peoples, as we shall hear in chapter 26. And that is something generally we do not like, that Abraham is the father of all. And Paul makes a very important point in speaking of this in Romans chapter 5. So, the first one is interesting because Zimran is from the root Zamar. Anyone who knows Arabic knows that 
to blow a musical instrument and so on. And thus we notice the connection with the temple. And then you have the mention of Midian, which is going to be singled out in verse 4, where we read about the sons of Midian. And Midian soon will become important in the story of Joseph, who was bought by Midianites who took him to Egypt. And then a few chapters later, the story of the Exodus and Moses and his father-in-law who was a Midianite. So, another example that, again, I keep repeating, you know, one will never understand a passage unless one knows the entire scripture. You can't start speaking about a chapter like that because you learned a little bit of Hebrew and Greek and then took classes of Sunday school and suddenly you imagine that you can say whatever you want. That is not true because things are interconnected. In verse 3, I said we hear about Sheba and Dedan. Jokshan was the father of Sheba and Dedan. And then the sons of Dedan, Ashurim, which means the Assyrians. Letushim, those who fly, which means and spread. And Leumim, which is the plural of Leom, which means nation, people. And very interestingly, this word is found the first time in this chapter regarding the other nations before it's mentioned specifically to speak about the twins, the children of Rebecca being two nations. You have Loom in the singular. This for me is, if not very important, at least it's striking. You cannot not talk about it. But in theology, we do whatever we please, wherever the spirit of philosophy and human knowledge leads us. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. Actually, it's sacrilegious, according to me. You've heard me enough saying that theology is sacrilegious by definition. It comes out of your mind. Take again to speak ourselves, the Orthodox, more specifically the Greek Orthodox, and also the Russians and all of us, who, against Paul's assertion in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and 2 that the Greek wisdom has no value at all when it comes to the scriptural wisdom, but soon enough, you know, theology just brings them together. Athens meets Jerusalem and so on. You know all this jargon. But this is not the way scripture approaches it. Scripture levels everything. And thus you realize that we are all Adam out of the dust of the Adama, period. It is repeated, repeated, repeated all the time. If it were not so, then Paul would not have had a chance taking the gospel to the nations. But he knew his scripture and he is bound by scripture already from the beginning. It is open to everybody. And 
my hearers heard enough and read enough in my books about the importance, beginning with Noah, where instead of the name of one son, as in all the others, patriarchs, suddenly we have three sons, and not one after the other. It is as though it's a triplet. But we know that later the text says the younger brother and so on. But it's important to realize that we have a totality. And then more specifically Midian here. In preparation of what is going to happen soon with Joseph and then with Moses. The names are interesting. I'm going to pick on a couple, you know, the second one is Efer, which is from the Sohib root as Afar. The third one is Enoch, but notice how the translation cheats. Hanok, earlier it translated it as Enoch. Here it translated as Hanok to give the English hearer the impression that it's not the same word or the same root. And then the third one is Abida'a. It is formed from father and the root that means knowledge. And the last one, Elda'a, the same thing. So interesting names and encompassing. And then the author specifically says, all these were the children of Keturah. Meaning they are neither the children of Hagar, nor of Sarah. It is very impressive. But they are children slash grandchildren of Abraham, exactly as Isaac and Ishmael, because after a few verses, we have suddenly the inclusion of Ishmael and Isaac in conjunction with burying Abraham. They are brought together and as I shall comment, it is in the field of Ephron, the son of Zohar, the Hittite, which is in chapter 23. And I made my comments earlier, but we should repeat it because this will appear again at the end of Genesis, where even the family and the children, the scriptural children of Abraham are united in it tomb that was granted to them. Obviously, Abraham paid a few cents, you know. And Ephron the Hittite, which is in preparation, as I said also before, in preparation for Uriah the Hittite, that David would kill, although he was his main general and his main hero. The Bible as Literature is a production of the Ephesus School Network.